Hello and welcome to the eTalk21 Sports Show for February 20th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind eTalk21 Sports. We have an absolutely loaded episode for you today. My boy, David, a.k.a. Better DP 21 He's going to come on. We're going to talk about the weekend that was in terms of sports betting. Plus, he's going to share some NBA bets. I'm going to share some college basketball bets. And Gino, host of the That's What G Said podcast, will have his horse racing by the day. But before we get into all that, I'd like to say, say thank you to the sponsor of the show, Parlay Play. If you're not using Parlay Play, go to the App Store, download the Parlay Play app, use promo code NFL Betting Blitz for 100% deposit match. If you are watching on YouTube, link to that is in the description below. Now, let's see what Gino has a cooking for us over at Oakland this weekend in the Rebel Stakes. Another big race this weekend with Kentucky Derby points on the line. That is Saturday at Oaklawn Park in the Grade 2 Rebel. Let's dive into the daily racing form past performances. I give you a best bet for this week. We're going to look at race number 11. That's the Rebel. Kentucky Derby points are on the line. And I am going to go to the number 6 in here, Dematic. I feel like there's a good amount of speed in this race. Or, and I'm looking for a particular type of horse in their running style because I think Carboni from the inside is going, and I think from the outside, Time for Truth has to go. So with those two horses in here, they should both be forwardly placed. Then you have a horse like uh, the Nine, Langnos. You have a horse like Timberlake, who will probably be fresh, and he'll probably be pretty close up. I don't think he wants to be that far out of it. So I'm looking for a closer, a mid-pack to closer, and who is the most proven in this field at passing horses? That's the six, Dematic, who has now shown very nice progression through his three starts. He put it all together when he got the job done last time out, and if you look at his pedigree overall, this is a horse who has the the right to be very nice. He's a, a half-to horse named Dreamlike, who finished Second last year in the Grade 1 Pennsylvania Derby behind Saudi Crown, who was third in the Wood Memorial, who's a really talented horse, and going longer. So to me, getting more distance is key for a horse like Dematic. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. If we get anything over 5, I think that's fair value on Saturday at Oaklawn Park. Best of luck. We'll be back next week with another horse racing play right here each and every week. Talking sports with Eric. Make sure to give my boy Gino a follow at It's Me, Gino B on X. I'm going to be on his podcast this Friday talking NBA, giving an NBA preview for the second half of the season. Now, without further ado, let's welcome one of the guys I absolutely love talking with the most. He's on my podcast every single week during the baseball season and during the NFL season. We share some bets. We talk some shit. We make some stupid bets and we tell dumb dating stories. David, a.k.a. Better DP 21 How you doing, my man? Doing great, man. Happy Taco Tuesday, you know. Um, pl- pleasure being here again. It's been a little bit, but uh, like I said, just uh, happy to be part of the show. Um, so, first of all, I want to ask you, dude, you see this new little Apple Watch I got right here? I see it. Guess where I got the money from? I'm, I'm going to bet the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, the Chiefs, the Chiefs, dude, covering, covering, dude. The Chiefs covering first half under more points second half than first half. You know how you know how I do it, dude. You know, I understand. Just I, I, understand. Just rub that, I just decided to rub that in a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah the great. undefeated streak couldn't make it four years in a row for me. That's okay, but I hope hey, you put I put I hope you put money on the money line because I said anything under three points which San Francisco was covering, you know, up until the touchdown at the end there. Um, 
I said it, you know, like the teams are going to cover and win. And at two and a half, it was only worth your time to put money on that money line. I, I played the two and a half, and then I got them at plus 200 when they're down. Oh, there you go. There you go. So hit that. Uh, NA86 chimes in. College B-ball, I can't wait for Purdue to go out in the second round. Um, Here's my hot take, man. Purdue out second or third round. Alabama out second or third round. UConn out second or third round. UNC out second and third round. UNC. All four of those guys. Wow. All four of those teams out furthest they make it to Sweet 16. But you, what say you? You know, I <laughs> you can't trust the kids. Um, I mean, this whole weekend has been my my whole motto about that. I mean, <laughs> UConn's playing right now. I'm watching them. They're down 21 to Creighton on the road right now. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's just I kind, did, of, kind of I did, play, I did play Creighton plus three and a half. I'm just saying. That's, that's beautiful. Just beautiful. saying. But I don't agree with uh, UNC going out in the second round. Um, I could agree with Purdue. Why not the first round with Purdue? That's almost been, you know, kind of their uh, their entry to the to the bracket almost every year. Hundred um, percent, definitely think uh, you know Purdue is one of those teams for sure to go out. I don't know about UConn. I kind of like them getting a little bit further than what you just described, but um, you know, and but I don't know what it is, man. It's home court advantage in college matters and you know just seeing that kind of like right now as i'm watching this game now and even over the weekend i mean you know virginia tech manhandled virginia at home um you know by almost 30 points so just and then the same thing you know purdue losing on the road at a i mean it's just a, a trend in college basketball with home and away uh advantages there uh bobby comes out hot FMSU, what a bad loser. <laughs> Sports facts. Effing OK State won over the weekend. Hell of a call. So this dude always talks shit on every Saturday morning. And I love the guy. No idea who the hell he is, but love the guy. Always talks shit every time I give out OK State. And you know what? I'm, I think I'm like 4-1 <laughs> taking them this year. Um. Oh, I want to hear the dating stories. That'll be a separate thing. This is strictly sports. Um. Yeah. I, I hate the Lakers. Hell of a call on BYU first half live. Guys, if you're not following it, make sure you are following the Discord. Giving out winners every single day live when I can actually watch the games. Um, now, oh, here you go. Here you go. Good question from Matt Clay. What are your thoughts on San Diego State this year? I always want to pull for them. Yeah, I like I like them also coming out of, what is it, the Mac? Um you know, West or whatever West, it is. Mountain West. West. Mountain West. Um, yeah, I love them coming out of the Mountain West um, for sure. I always root for them too. I mean, hell, I was living in San Diego before Denver and followed them pretty closely. Had a had a close group of friends out there that also uh, were alumni of the team. Definitely follow them a lot closer than most other Mountain West teams. I definitely think they're going to come out of there pretty strong. Um, you know, so I don't. I just don't see a lot of competition for them in their division right now um you know i know they got a close one tonight uh i, I don't know what the score is of that game right now i know it's pretty close but uh, i think they're down three at the half going in a second but you know um yeah i absolutely love san diego state you know definitely advancing the first round maybe the second and if they get past that second definitely watch out for that team i love the mountain west conference i am a mountain west conference homer and 
Call me biased. I think Utah State, San Diego State, Boise State, New Mexico, Colorado State, and Nevada all deserve it. I think mm. all those teams should be it. And I'm going to say it right now. New Mexico, this year's Florida Atlantic, they're going to make a deep run. Oh, okay. This year's okay. Florida Atlantic is New Mexico. I absolutely love that team. They have Rick Pitino Jr. as a coach, Jamal Mashburn Jr. as um as a wing. House is the only player not in a Power Five conference who's a finalist for the best defensive player in college basketball. So they do have an elite wing defender. Um, Raj R.G. Gill chimes in. Uh, Marquette going to go deep this year, or should I have low expectations? You know, I mean, I'd lo- I would temper your expectations. I wouldn't expect them to go deep. Um, you know, I, but again, it just kind of depends on how that division lines up for them and how they do in their own, you know, conference tournament a little bit, I think, which is going to influence a little bit of their seeding there. Um, but, you know, overall, you know, pretty strong team. Uh, I, I don't see why you wouldn't probably like, you know, take a, give them, give them some hope, but, you know, hope, what is it? Expect the worst, hope for the best, you know, is, is kind of what I look at. Again, my whole motto with college, can't trust the kids, my man. Yeah, dude, you're like you're you're anti trusting kids, dude. I love betting college. Dude. No, I love man, they they miss all their free throws, bro. They miss I them all it. when they matter the most. I love at it. all the end I, of the game. I, the last last four minutes of every game, no matter what, you can you can just write write home this check, right? Last four minutes is when the game matters, and every single time, hell, who the hell did I give out over the weekend that I like pinged you about that almost lost you know a twenty five point lead. South yeah, Florida. Yeah. South Florida. Thank you. Yeah. Perfect example. They weren't hitting free throws. This other team just kept fouling them, putting them at the line. They were hitting great. no free throws. Like, um, I don't know. I love college basketball. I always will. I think it's phenomenal. I love March Madness. I love that. I mean, that's during the season. <laughs> um, what futures should I make on a team for March? Dude, New Mexico. I think there's value in. So I'm going to go a different. I'm going to tell you teams that have value in my eyes. New Mexico has value in my eyes. I could see them making a deep run. And another team that has value, but they need to get in, is Texas A&M. Best offensive rebounding team in the country. Third best rebounding team in the country. They have two guards that can take the ball off the dribble, get to the rim. But one of the worst three throw shooting teams in the country and can't make a three. So that's a team that has two electric playmakers and can rebound. Granted, they just got upset by Arkansas tonight, but they're a team that could go on a run piece two good games together. And as like a 10, 11 seed, make it to the sweet 16. So a sweet 16 future on them. Colorado potentially could have the top pick in the end in the NBA draft. Plus two other guys that are going to be drafted. If they can get in and they have Lampkin, the kid that played at TCU last year, they could potentially make a run. They have a load of talent. They just haven't played together because there's been some um, injury issues. And what's another team that could make it? Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I like Florida, too. I think Florida could make South a run. Carolina? I hate South Carolina. I hate South Carolina. <laughs> hate South Carolina. I like I like Florida. Good, Another good rebounding team. They have good guards. They can defend the three. They could make the three. For me, that's... The biggest things in March that I look for are rebounding, 
you mentioned three throw shooting. Agree with that. Three point shooting and a guard that can drive. Yeah, absolutely. Those the, that's everything I look for. Those teams I mentioned have that. One a higher team that feels kind of getting lost in the mix. I think Arizona's kind of getting lost in the mix right now. I was going to mention them as the future, so I'm glad you brought yeah. them up. Um, I, I think that's a team that we can kind of look to. I think, you know, they have Caleb Love. They have some bigs, good point guard, good coach. You know, we're on the same page with that. I think they can make um, they can make yeah, the run. They're just a team that I know. My boy, <laughs> he's a, he's an alum of theirs, and <laughs> it drives them nuts every. He's they're like the Purdue of the West. <laughs> The Purdue of the West. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's not a good thing. <laughs> um, we have reached the point of the show where we're going to look back at the betting weekend, give some takeaways about everything that we saw. Could be anything. Could be basketball, hockey, UFC, or just a random thing that happened in the NFL. David, what is your first takeaway? Yeah, my first takeaway actually is going to be with the UFC. I mean, they had a stacked lineup for UFC 298 for anybody who was watching. Um, you know, Ilya Tapura uh, with the main event uh, earned his belt against Volkanovski as a new undisputed featherweight champion. I mean, just some of these matchups were just incredible. Um, you know, feeling for Alex, I think he'll get a, a, a rematch there. But, you know, uh, Ilya really, I mean, he brought out his boxing skills in round two. I know, you know, he seemed calm demeanor. He definitely owned the tempo and everything about that fight. Um, you know, I my hat's off to him. He's undisputed, undefeated uh, champion at the featherweight division. I mean, to me, looks like another McGregor, um, you know, very early into his career here. And, you know, with the exact same record, you know, coming out the gate, 15-0 uh, and 0 right now. So, you know, really, really impressive performance by him. Also, just, you know, looking at the card overall um, for the women, even Amanda Lemos versus Mackenzie Dern. I mean, anybody who wasn't watching that fight, women get out there and do some squats um, because, you know, that was <laughs> each of those women battled. I mean, but like, seriously, I, my hat's off to Mackenzie Dern. Uh, you know, I, I thought Amanda Lemos was actually going to ruin her. Um, she looked so sharp. And she survived definitely the second round, hands down. But she held her own. She actually had better striking uh, than than Lemos. She actually had more control than Lemos. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to, as as the underdog in a fight, you have to be able to, you know, display to you know the the favorite and to the judges that you absolutely are, you know, controlled and actually won that fight. And you know, she she definitely got her face beat up. Um, you know, but. You know, other of these names here, Rob Whittaker versus Paulo Costa, Machado Gary versus Jeff Neal. Now, that one was really close to me. You know, I actually really thought Machado, um, you know, what was uh, kind of playing possum a little bit, kind of just running around the ring a little bit there. But, I mean, you know, for anybody who's just hasn't been paying attention to UFC, you know, my, my hats go off to, to Ilya, to, you know, Lemos, to Gary. To Whitaker, I mean, all these people, even Marab uh, versus Henry Cejudo, um, you know, they they all earned that. And I mean, you're just looking for each of them to take the next step. So definitely looking, you know, like a lot of great fighters on the way up. Um, you know, what a, what a solid card. And the kicker about that card is actually every single favorite, I think through prelims all the way until the main event, every favorite won the whole way through and through until it got to Ilya as the underdog. 
in that fight who I had money on. And, you know, that, that was uh, the winner for me for that night. So I think Dern won that decision. I was surprised that it was <laughs> blinded by luck. Yeah, yeah. I could be blinded by luck. <laughs> okay. so, so I, again, to my point of that whole fight, right? Like, absolutely do not believe it was unanimous decision the way that it got ruled. That actually surprised me. Um, but I do think, you know, her ground game gave her more control. I actually expected a, a closer, like, you know, card coming out of the judges versus unanimous decision for, for Lemos. But I mean, I've really followed Lem, uh, Dern for a while. You know, she is a very, very tough girl. Um, you know, and she proved as much, you know, she survived the round where everybody thought the ref was probably going to call it within another punch or two. And, you know, her face definitely got beat to shit, but you know, for all intents and purposes, I mean, she held her own. I thought it was more split decision. I could have definitely seen that go in her favor to win that fight. But again, you got to prove to the judges that, you know, as the underdog on that card, that you absolutely own that. And she couldn't do that um, based on the beating she took in that second round. Great pick of Duran circling on that. Yes, I've seen that pick. Solid I think pick. everybody's seen that pick. <laughs> uh, Bobby Thomas yes. times in. Lost. Sports fact. She lost. did well, but shit, she looked. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that one too. Um, my first takeaway is this, and look, I've been very stern on this the last couple of years. College basketball coaches are losing games in the first four minutes of the second half. And it's a lot worse this year, it seems, in my eyes, than it has been in years past. Teams come out of the second half, cold shooting. The team that they are playing against comes out hot. And real quick, the game just flips. And for whatever reason, these coaches are so stern on just getting to the 1600 timeout because they want timeouts toward the end of the game. This happened to Butler twice last week. Perfect example. Against Marquette, two-point game coming out of the half. Matt Mata waited until they are down eight at the 14-minute mark to call a timeout. And when, like you mentioned, an underdog, when you're an underdog and you have a favorite up against the ropes, you can't give them that crack in the door. You have to stay on them. And anytime there's a run, you have to immediately slow everything down and get it in control. I mentioned Texas A&M earlier. That's one thing I love about Buzz Williams. There's a lot of things I hate about Buzz Williams, but he's not afraid to take that timeout within the first minute, two minutes of the second half. Also against Creighton. Now, look, I know they got blown off the door. Creighton played awful that first half and Marquette was up not Marquette Butler was up coming out of the second half Mata waited until they're down 12 at the 1139 mark to call a timeout why and then you finish the game with two timeouts it's like what's the point you don't get you know what I mean you don't get extra points for having these timeouts you have to manage momentum and I just don't understand why these coaches just constantly get burned by it and it doesn't come back. Next year, one of my things I'm going to do for college basketball, and I'm going to have my nephew do this, who's a whiz kid, I'm going to try to have him come up with a database and kind of see, like, what teams are the best in the first four minutes of the second half and try to use that to my advantage live betting. Because I think it's something moving forward next year we can really dive into, but we need the data. And I feel this year right now we're just so far behind it. There's no point to it. Yep. Um. Takeaway two, dude, and I think we're on the same one here. 
probably probably similar here. Um, you know, my takeaway number two is actually looking at um, Dame time. I mean, you know, looking from the NBA All Star Weekend, you know, um, I think he really could. I think he found his step at the All Star game. Um, I think he could really springboard the Bucks in the second half, who are sitting third in the East right now. You know, coming out of that as a three point champion and All Star game MVP, I really think that's going to give his you know ego a little bit more of a boost than it has probably in the first forty five months you know, of the season that we've seen here with the, with the team together, team chemistry has been getting better. You know, I, I even took a look back, you know, just how he was averaging, you know, points wise uh, coming into the all-star break and right around 22 points um, on average there. So, you know, I really expect uh, him and Giannis to, you know, find a better chemistry and, you know, as a point, you know, I think he's going to lead that team as they probably expected him to, you know, bring them into the season. Cause you know, Team chemistry takes some time to build, and you're only talking about, I don't know, what, what's the average, like 50 games so far in the first half that they've, you know, been playing together. And, you know, as much practice and everything, you know, that you kind of get from preseason and, you know, walking into the season, then next thing you know, it's just, it's back-to-back three to fours, you know, um, that you're seeing with these teams, and it takes time. So, you know, I I really love um, the confidence boost that I think this just gave to, to Damian there uh, for – a strong second half for the Bucks to compete in the East there with the Celtics, especially. Um, let's make some money. But do you trust Doc? <laughs> I mean, that's Tough. a good point. Like that's a very good point. I mean, God, that's a good question. Um, I I want to say yes. I want to say yes. I want to believe, you know, that that you can trust the trust him. You know to to put his players in the right way with the team and, and let them play. Um, you know, at a certain point, that's that's what he's got to hang his hat on. Let the players play, you know, make sure that, you know, they get the right time uh, of rest in and out of that kind of game and be able to be, you know, competing um, successfully going down the stretch here. So I, I absolutely want to say yes, that at some point they're going to look to the, you know, captains on the team like Giannis and, and just say, hey, put the ball in our hands, let's go. Um, one from Instagram and I'm sorry, Instagram sucks. You can't bring the questions up here. Um, what NBA future should I make? Ooh, interesting question. (sighs) I don't know. I'd have to get back to you on that. I can't like on the spot. I'm not really thinking of that one. Um, but let me tell you the NBA futures I'm locking in because I love rubbing these into you. I got check hold room plus 650 for rookie of the year. All right. I got Shade Gilders Alexander, 25 to 1 for MVP. I got OKC, Hundo to 1 to win it all. Those are the only ones I got. And in my eyes, like, let's be serious. Like, in the East, what teams can you see, see win it all? I have two and a half. Okay. Who do you got? Bucks, Celtics, Heat. Yeah. In the West, who do you think could win it all? I don't, I don't know about the Heat. I mean, I'd probably give it to to Indy or the Knicks as my dark horses in the East. I mean, in the West, uh, Thunder for sure. Mm-hmm. Thunder, and I like Denver getting back. Um, oh, I, like I love Denver. I mean, I really love, think Denver. I mean, sitting fourth right now in the Western Conference, like, 
really love them to, you know, I mean, it, you're you're only talking about two, three games back anyway. I mean, that whole, whole conference is stacked on each other. I think the Clippers, Nuggets, Thunder, out of the West. Yep. Off yeah. the top, I'm not looking at the – I don't have the standings off my head. That's just what I'm thinking. Um, oh, you just named the two through four no. ranked teams. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't trust Minnesota. Gobert is going to have to be off the court. I don't like Towns. I think I think Ant's a stud. Yeah. Um, Clippers. I like the Clippers. What they've done. I got the Clippers at twenty to one. Also, love the Nuggets. I mean, when you have Joker, I I don't, yeah. Don't trust the Mavs at all. Don't trust yeah. Phoenix at all. So in my eyes, it's one of those five. So you can find value. I'd lock it in. Honestly, if you can get a future on one of those teams at eight to one. I'd probably take it that I was kind of thinking the same, you know, something with one of those teams for sure, especially Denver because they're behind all those teams in comparison. Um, my next takeaway and it's nothing new because everyone's been talking about it. NBA all-star weekend needs a hard reset. You need to tap it. You need to reset it. You need to think something else up. Anthony Edwards shooting left-handed, in the skilled competition was the biggest FU I've ever seen in my life. Scotty Barnes in the middle of the competition during the half court shooting behind the back is another big FU. Three point contest was awesome. I think that's yeah. something they need to do. I think Sabrina versus Steph, I think that's something you need to do as well. Get a WNBA player and an NBA player can kind of rotate it around who it is, get them mm -hmm. going against each other in the three-point co competition. The dunk contest was a joke. It was – I felt like they wanted to make Jalen Brown look better than he was. Example is this. He dunks over a YouTuber who's not five feet tall. The guy's like four seven, who's right. sitting down. And he <laughs> got a higher score – than Toppin, who jumped up over his brother and then went between his legs and dunked it. Yeah. Like, wh what? Like, what am I watching right here? Right. It was so <laughs> obvious that they were trying to get Brown in there, and it just – it doesn't make sense. And then in the All-Star game, you have people pulling up from half court. Like, literally, just pulling up from half court. Look, no one wants to be there. You have to get the guys that want to be there. Let them play. Look, if you want to have an ambassador like LeBron, Giannis, obviously Luka doesn't want to be there. It doesn't look like Joker wants to be there. If you want to have them there just as a token, hey, just come there, hang out. But sure. let the guys that want to be there and compete, compete. And the whole thing with the NBA is part of the problem because everyone's in load management. Let's rest. Let's get, for the, let's get healthy for the playoffs. For sure. And now with what the Heat did last year, the regular season means every worse because these teams are like, you know what? We can just do Miami. We can just get to the playing game and just get hot. So I don't know what you need to do. Maybe take – there's 24 players there. Maybe break them up. Maybe do a three-on-three -three tournament. And how far you make it determines how much money you get. I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing I could come up with, but – what was on the court was awful. And think about this. Stern was like, hey, 
not stern jesus silver god silver was like hey this product needs to be better you need to look like you care and it was obvious no one gave a flying f like literally no one gave a flying up it was an awful product and i really feel it's a big f you to us as the fans especially i mean think about that those those seats weren't cheap probably doled out like what a buck 50 100 200 hours for a ticket easy yeah and then you watch that just a glorified pickup game it was awful and it definitely needs a hard reset um so now we've reached everyone's favorite part of the show the betting we're gonna give three bets but real quick what i need to do is i need to pull up if i can find it and i don't think i can the results from last week honestly what it was jim and i both went one and two jim hit UConn minus the points. He lost Richmond, lost Penn State. I hit um, Maryland minus the four, lost Oregon State, and lost Miami plus the eight. Now, new week, new show. Let's get it to going, dude. Where are you going to first, my friend? All right, so first bet that I got is going to – everything's focused for me on NBA Thursday coming back out of the break. So I'm starting with Lakers versus Warriors, and I am taking the Lakers money line at plus 155. So a few reasons for this. I mean, you know, I'm always very cautious, first of all, coming out of any kind of break for any kind of pro team because everybody's rested. Everybody's been able to catch their breath. You know, you're not having to look at, you know, situational angles like is this team playing their third or fourth game on the road back to back? All these kinds of factors that you know people will probably look for in terms of fatigue you've got rested teams you've got both these teams basically playing the same kind of ball so i do have an nba model that is actually um you know that i've actually set up for this and so my projected line for this game is actually um closer to a pick em. so i'm talking zero zero on both sides and you know lakers getting four and a half right now the for any team to actually win, the league averages by nine points, right? So nine should be your, your magic number when you're looking at these games. And seeing that the Lakers have, you know, a four and a half point edge for some people, you know, based on your unit size, I understand taking the points. However, it's kind of like, you know, my same mantra that I use in NFL, I'm going to kind of apply here to NBA under a certain point threshold, which is kind of under that nine point mark, if you will, right around six, seven, actually more for NBA. But that magic number actually, you know, determines whether or not I play the spread or play the money line. And that way, because the way that I look at this is it's a spread sport uh, or a money line sport disguised as a spread sport. And, and the only way that you ever have an edge over the book is actually by playing money line dogs. So basically, you know, the way that I look at this is because that line is so low at four and a half that I actually believe that you have better value taking the money line, no juice, you know, look for the Lakers to win this game outright on the road coming into the Warriors and, you know, starting off strong that way. You have too much value on that line for the Lakers um, not to uh, not to play their money line. So that is going to be my first bet coming out of the break. So our boy, I hate the Lakers. He came at I, you, man. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Jesus, are you friends with Gino? <laughs> F the Lakers, Davis, soft as shit. Um, and don't get me started on Reeves. Um, okay, here's a question for my from let, let's make some money. 
How did you get your motto and what are the things you look at? Sure. So, you know, I actually pull stats. I scrape stats from a few different sites and, you know, one of them, um, you know, basically gives me the total stats per player. So a model is not a team. Um, cumulative model is actually a player driven model. So I actually import the lineups for the projected games for that particular day. Um, they already do have lineups kind of posted as projected. So these are kind of player-based projections based on current lineups today. Um, and I get those player lineups from something like Roto Grinders and, and, and things like that. And I actually set those lineups so that way I actually have an adjusted um, projection of how those you know points actually come up with the cumulative total for the projected total for the game as well as, you know, and compare that as well as a projected spread of offensive defensive points on both sides of the ball. So that is how I kind of, you know, have filtered all of my data. And it's a data scraping methodology that, you know, comes straight into a model that computes it all for me at that point going forward. So, you know, doesn't give me, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I take situational travel into the mix, right? So that actually will play a part if teams are on the road, games three to four, back-to-back -back kind of situations, I will actually, um, deduct a, uh, a point for that team against their spread uh, to actually have an idea of what that spread total should look like versus the overall book total. So they actually get a you know point reduction for being basically fatigued at that point. Okay, that's some good stuff there, guys. David is one of the smartest guys I know, smart in math, has these great models. I always pick his brain about stuff, especially during MLB season. So make sure he always answers questions. You can slide into his DMs and he will get back to you about that stuff. Good questions. If you have them, keep them coming. My next bet, I'm going to the college hardwood. I'm taking chomp, chomp. Give me the Florida Gators here plus eight and a half. So one of the things I look at in college basketball is shooting regression and positive shooting regression. And I have this little database where it looks at the last five games. It looks how the team is shooting and how teams are shooting against them. Alabama, who I don't feel is a good defensive team, who gives up a lot of open looks, teams the last five games are shooting a combined 28% from three on open looks. What does that tell me? That tells me that teams against Alabama are going to be due for some positive shot regression. And I think Florida, who's a decent three-point shooting is going to be able to make those threes. What's Alabama good at offensively? Dribble and drive and kick for the open three. Florida is elite defending the drive and defending the three-pointer. So I think they're going to kind of be able to limit what Alabama does good. Florida, believe it or not, best rebounding team in the nation. This is going to be able to limit Alabama's second chance points. And if Alabama is not making threes, it's huge because it's going to limit the offensive rebounding for Alabama. Florida is the third best offensive rebounding team in the country. They're going to be able to get second chance points. I feel it's a great situational spot to fade Alabama. They're coming off a big 25 point win against Texas A&M. Have Kentucky on deck. Golden, who's the coach of Florida, 62% ATS as a dog in SEC play. Give me the Gators here. Plus the eight and a half, my friend. Kind of love that, actually. Um, 
made some really great points and definitely something I would agree with with Alabama. I think Alabama sucks. Like I, I yeah. there's just some teams I'm just absolutely stern on aren't that good. And Alabama flies into me. Um, oh, yeah. We do have a question here. Where was it? Is Creighton going to blow this? What's the score, man? No. What's the score? Yeah. Me, big dog. They're at 15 right now with two minutes. You're fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, dude, I know. Hey, man, hey, just saying, dude. You know, <laughs> you know, don't trust the kids. I got the game saying. on just over, just over the screen. The game's on right now. <laughs> they um, did get close. They got within ten, so I can appreciate the question. But you know, like, yeah, they they're now almost back close to twenty points, so it's fine. Uh next bet. Back to the association. Where are we going, big dog? Yeah. So back to the NBA. We're looking at the Magic and Cavs. Um, I'm looking at the over 216 for this game. Again, based on my model projections, um, this projected total should come closer to 228 and a half should be closer to the, what the line should be, according to my model. So you're getting a 12-point, almost a 13-point edge if you round that up uh, to 229. So, you know, I really, again, like I said, rested teams coming out of the break. You know, I, I'm cautious when it comes to playing any favorites. Um, you know, I do have the Cavs still winning this game. I do have them just beating this line, but you know, my model is actually projecting them at minus eight and a half. The book spread right now is minus seven and a half. You have a better edge on the book total at 216. It's actually one of the lowest totals going into the Thursday matchups. I think it is the lowest total actually, but that's actually, and it really surprises me because you do have a team like the Cavs who are scoring very high scoring team. Um, and you know, yeah. So I just look for the best edges when it comes to this. When I'm actually giving out these model plays, so you know, basically based on the current projected lineups, the projected total that I'm seeing is 229. Take that over. Take your 13 point edge over the book right now while you can, and appreciate cashing that. Um, thoughts on the LeBron to the Warriors rumors? I mean. I, I don't have many thoughts behind that. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it is a rumor. Because um, they I, almost not, made a trade. not going to go anywhere. I mean, like, I, that's the story that came out. Like, there's, like, some stuff yeah. going on. Could have made a trade on the trade deadline. Um. Okay, here you go. Could the Cavs make a run? Absolutely. I mean, they're – they're sitting, what, like second right now? I mean, they definitely have been underrated in the market. Um, the I mean, I don't know how much more of a run they're going to make over someone like the Celtics in the East. And like I said, I think the Bucks are going to come on pretty strong. I kind of like them holding their, you know, third position right there in the East, you know, kind of going forward. But I definitely think they're going to play, you know, very healthy. You know, they stay healthy in the second half. They absolutely can continue the run that they've made in the first half, you know, to you know, compete and actually come out pretty strong. So definitely, uh, I think they're underrated in the market for, you know, where they are, but, and they're, they're still second. I mean, you know, you, they got a lot of competition in the East to get through and if they can just maintain, I think it'll be great. Um, I don't know what this is. Knicks or 76ers are the only ones I could see them beating. I'm looking in the chat and I don't see what the question is. So if I let, I hate the Lakers. If you could chime in with that, let us know. We'll get get to it. 
Dan chimes in. What do you guys think that the Bears should do with the first pick? Take Williams, release Fields, trade down, build around Fields. What do you say, my friend? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we kind of talked about this during NFL for a while, right? Like, you know, I, I definitely think trading Fields isn't a bad thing. You know, sometimes people are just kind of worn on each other. And I think we made a point on one of the episodes that we talked about where, you know, at, at a certain point, if you, you know, in so many years, don't get me wrong. He's had many different offensive coordinators and coaching, you know, come yeah. through in his like, you know, development, if you will, of the first few years, he's definitely someone I still believe in that can make a run. Um, you know, a trade would definitely be worth it to the bears. Um, you know, but it's like, I also could see them building around him. I mean, I could see both sides of this go either way. And I, I'm very impartial to it because I've just, I'm a little bit of a Fields fan, but then at the same time, he's an Ohio State quarterback coming into the league. And I just don't care about Ohio State quarterbacks ever proving anything in the league. So, you know, from that perspective, I think, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. They just haven't developed him the correct way. And, you know, like, I, I totally think if they could like have some continuity there, Within the organization, they, they could be great um, with him. This is what I would do. Now, I think Fields is great. I think with the right coaching staff, he's going to be really good in this league. However, that's not in Chicago. And every right. team right. is on a timeline. And I really yep. think with the Bears timeline, I would trade what I would do. This is going to sound crazy. I would trade back. No, sorry. I would trade fields, get draft picks. Mm -hmm. I think May is going to be better than Williams. I would actually trade down with the commanders, take May with the two pick, and try to finagle like a def uh, off a defensive lineman, another pick, trying to finagle something to trade back down, just one pick, and then take Dusty May. That's what yeah. I would do. I, I love where that's at. I mean, you thought through that a little bit. Um, and I don't know if that was just off the cuff, but I mean, I've never said that I believe Williams is the answer. Um, I think he's actually a little overrated. And I agree with you. I think May and some other sleeper quarterbacks that are, you know, sitting behind. Uh, I swear Caleb to God, if you, if you say J.J. McCarthy, man. I've, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say McCarthy. I was not going to say McCarthy. But I do think of, you know, you know, some QBs out there like Penix. I know there's some other sleeper ones I'm just not thinking of in the moment. But, um, you know, like in comparison to Caleb Williams, I I find that they probably have a better overall QB rating, probably have better athleticism. I I don't know. I, I, I just hate sometimes – I just hate sometimes the quarterbacks that come out of USC and prove to do nothing. And here's the thing. Everyone's trying to compare Caleb Williams to Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is so much mentally stronger than anyone else in the league. Yeah. yeah. Put these guys on the field. Their arm strength is the same, but it's just what's up here, which is able to make Mahomes Mahomes. And I'll be honest, I don't like what I saw with Williams. You look at what Hurts, Mayweather, Murray – all did in that same system, they put up huge numbers. Yep. Who's to say Williams isn't the same? 
I didn't like how he ended the year. I feel he's got everything handed to him. I don't. I think he's going to struggle in this league. I think May is going to be the better quarterback in a couple years. So that's my thought. And uh, one of the joys of living in Chicago is I get asked this question every single effing day. So, of course, I have it well rehearsed. Oh, so the question that he posed was, if the Magic could win a series. Sure. I mean. So where are they right now? They're just eighth in the East. Yeah. So they're eighth in the East. So that means they're in the play-in. Yeah. I don't even know. I'm I'm at the I'm at the visually look at these. I'm a visual, I'm a visual guy, my friend. I'm sorry. So I, if they get oh, right, I think they could beat the 76ers in the series. But I I don't know. They could get up. They could get up there. I think they could beat the Knicks in the series. I'm not high in this Cavs team. I think they could beat the Cavs in the series too. Yeah. Here's the thing. As much as everyone likes Donovan Mitchell, he has a losing record in the playoffs. He has (laughs) a significant losing record in the playoffs. Um, My next bet. Getting grimy, dude. Going down to the bayou. Give me LSU plus five. Last four years, ranked teams on the road in conference play are 45%. Ranked teams this year on the road, 44% ATS. Teams in the Calipari era, they get up to play Kentucky. Kentucky on the road when the line is five or more, 45% against the number. When you look at the stats, LSU is actually – a good offensive rebounding team. So I think they're going to be able to get some second chances against Kentucky. Also, Will Baker is a seven-foot guy for LSU. He can step back. He can make the three. He can – He has. he's phenomenal in the post. Kentucky has some big guys, but they don't have anyone as skilled defensively to do everything Baker can do. So I think that is a good – matchup that LSU can take advantage of. Great situational spot for Kentucky. Just be Oliver and has Alabama on deck. Last 20 years, ready for this one, my friend? After beating a top 15 team the previous game, the next game, if you're on the road and a road favorite, such as Kentucky is, Kentucky just beat Auburn 13 in the country, 28% against the number the last 20 years. And I know everyone's going to be like, but Eric, didn't LSU just beat South Carolina? You know what my counter to that is, my friend? Teams that upset a ranked team that are home dogs the following game, 62% against the number the last 20 years. You look at the home and road splits, Kentucky does average seven points more at rough than they do on on the road. You know, which really makes sense because they are a younger team. Younger teams do trend to struggle on the road. I think LSU has the guards athletically to challenge the Kentucky backcourt. Look, give me LSU here plus the five. I love it. I love those. Man, that's 62%. That that number alone for me did it. <laughs> Oof. Oof. That is a big um, one right there in splits. Oof. Dude, third and Final bet, my friend, where are we going? 
Yeah, so back to NBA. So been dabbling in a player prop pool, um, you know, model as well. So, you know, pretty much is, like I said, it's it's based on the individual player lineups and projected lineups and, and such like that. So what that does is it actually does an adjust, adjusted minutes per game as well as possessions, um, expected possessions that they should actually be on the court for to actually have an expected points outcome. So what does that mean? We're looking at the Pistons and Pacers for a player prop, and I'm going to the Pistons side of the ball with Jalen Duran to actually have under 13 and a half points for that game. Um, my model is projecting him to score seven to eight points at most for the entirety of the game, which means that he should be only on the court for maybe 29 minutes, expected possessions for himself, maybe six, scoring you know half of that at most but really what we're actually getting out of this from a numbers perspective is the fact with the expected points being seven on a book line of 13 and a half you're getting a 42 percent margin to play that under and you know anytime i see a margin that's greater than probably 20 to 25 percent when it comes to my player prop model it's a play I went 4-0 just before the break on similar plays that were in 25 to 30% range of margin um, against the book lines. And I shared as much with Eric about that last weekend, you know, when, uh, you know, when we were heading into that weekend for the NBA All-Star break. But, you know, it's something that I think, when I said, when I share out a number like this, it's because I'm giving you the greatest edge across all the player props that I've put, which... I've gone down the line. There's a couple others, but I really like this one because you're getting half the expected points against the book line. Close to 14 is what they need you to score. I'm projecting half of that at seven. Hit that under 13 and a half for Jalen Duran. I like it. So let's talk it through because I do some play, like player props. That's mm-hmm. I love good player props. Um, And how I always start off the equation is I have, you've seen my NFL sheets before. I have yep. something similar where it shows points against three pointers against assist per disc, rebounding and distributions is it per position. That's yep. where my, that's where my equation starts. Do you kind of look at that when you do your stuff or is it more your model driven? So, no, I, I don't look at that as much, but it is still model-driven, right? So I am still getting an overall factor of the adjusted. Um, and these are using some advanced stats that I'm pulling in, you know, from these sites when I'm scraping in the data, right? So it's using all of their current data going into that game. So we have all their info, you know, from pre-All-Star break coming out of this to post-All-Star break, right? And what that actually translates to is advanced current stats and actually showing the time of possession and the expected possession. So that actually translates into the actual total that I am uh, describing because what I'm actually looking at is a full lineup of expected points from the full projected lineup with Cade, Jaden Ivey, Thompson, Simone, Jalen, all those top five starters with even the bench players as subs. And you get like a good distribution of expected points for each of those players, you know, to, to sub into the game. So you got subs one through five, you know, amongst the starters there, but 
also just, you know, being the center, um, you know, it's just one of those positions where if they rank the center too high, then, you know, by all means, they're going to actually over project their line. And that's what they're doing in this case, in my opinion. Okay. Um, this could be the comment of the day right here, my friend. My data says the Lakers suck. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good you, know? can't, you can't get mad at it. Can't get mad. My last bet, and this is the one I like to get dirty. I'm going to be working on a sound clip where it's just the 15 seconds. That's all YouTube will let me have of Christina Aguilera saying, let's get dirty. Give me UTSA plus seven. How can you not fade South Florida after the biggest win in program history over FAU? You have fourth place who's only back two games, SMU on deck. Also, this is the second biggest number in program history. Hmm that they will be laying on the road. Let that sit in. Second biggest number in the history. Um, teams, after playing FA, FAU, look, they're, they're favorites, 48% against the number. South Florida scores eight points less on the road than they do at home. But when you look at US, UTSA, here's some interesting things. They average 9.63s per game. That is the 19th most in the country. Look, every year there is a team that gets hot and everyone starts talking about them. South Florida is on an 11-game winning streak. Opposing teams are shooting a whopping 28% from three-point land during that 11-game span. What does that mean? It's going to get back to the norm. There's going to be a run of these games where people just start hitting threes because it's not statistically possible for every team to shoot under their norm for the season for that long. UTSA is a better shooting team from the floor, better shooting team from three than South Florida. Plus, they're also a better rebounding team. UTSA is the 24th best rebounding, 24th best offensive rebounding team in the country. South Florida is outside top, the top 175 defensive rebounding. Look, I'm betting the matchup, I'm betting the spot, and I'm betting the shooting progressions that is going to be coming for teams against South Florida. Look, give me UTSA, give me those road runners plus the seven, and I'm going to give a little sprink on that money line too, my friend. Got to. And like I said, magic number that you should be looking at across – most sports when it comes to both college and NBA, magic number is nine. You're sitting at that six, seven a mark. Definitely take the points in that case. Um, but by all means, sprinkle on the money line because you play, we're, we're playing these teams to win, right? So most teams that are going to win are going, are going to cover and win. David, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Talk is some shop. Always a, always a time. Time actually flies talking to you. Appreciate you. Why don't you tell everyone where you can find you on social media, my friend? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again for having me. I appreciate everybody with the questions and comments. And, you know, I always love feedback. So anytime you're looking at Talk Shop or you want to know, you know, probably what like a player prop that you're looking at or, you know, a projected spread for NBA is on a daily basis, reach out to me. Twitter, Instagram, better DP21, better with an OR as you can see there on the screen.
Thank you for coming on. We'll be back next week at my boy Chase, the host of the Notorious OTB podcast, is going to be next week's guest. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Till next week, boys and girls. (laughs) 